Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. My goodness, you know it's a morning when you get blessed uh, when they're ready to take the offering. I may need some of that at the end. That's what I may need at the end. <laughs> I may need some of that. Just keep, just keep that in your back pocket. That's all right. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 2, Deuteronomy chapter 2. I want to talk to you about um, a law that may not have the same scientific weight as like the law of gravity, but I, but I kind of I think it might be a law. I call it... I call it the law of the, of the toddler, the law of the toddler. And the law of the toddler goes something like this. There's basically a toddler has three very simple needs in his or her life. A toddler needs food and a toddler needs sleep. And then a toddler needs, um, well, they need whatever they don't have at that exact moment. That would be the third thing. Uh, I guess you could say that's more of a want. So a toddler wants sleep, a toddler wants food, and a toddler wants whatever they don't have. So in our nursery are some world changes. Can we give uh, our nursery workers a hand, our nursery world changes a hand? Thank you guys for what they do. Maybe watching via video. But so in those rooms, there's, there may be a couple of toddlers, and maybe there's two toddlers in one room with two toys. And I'm going to tell you which toy the toddler wants. They want the toy that they don't have. Do you remember those days? And, and, I, and I wish, here's what I wish. I wish that that law ended when they were potty trained. But how many of you have found that to be true in your own life? I hope you are potty trained, but sometimes you want in your life three things. You want a good meal. Come on, say a good amen for a good meal. I was thinking today, man, I need, I, I keep thinking this, man, I need to eat better. We got a Spartan race coming up. I need to eat better. And then I realized it's Super Bowl Sunday and that's not going to start today. But tomorrow I need to, I need to eat better. I need a good meal. And then I need a good sleep. Any fans of sleep in the house? Can you give it a good amen? So we need sleep. And then here's what you want. So you want good food. You want good sleep. And then you just want whatever you don't have. I mean, it's just, just really simple. And I know, I know we had communion, and so it feels really unspiritual to admit after we just thank Jesus for everything that he did on the cross. But you know yourself. You know that you agonized for 30 minutes in the mall this past weekend over those two shirts. And you chose that shirt, and by the time you got to the car, you wanted the other shirt. You want what you didn't have. You know that you bought a new car. Well, not a new car, but a good used car that you paid cash for. Come on, Dave Ramsey fans in the house. Say amen. And you pulled in the driveway, and you were real happy until you pulled in the driveway and saw your neighbor's car and your other neighbor's car, and you wondered what you didn't have. And that just kind of that happens. And the same thing happened to the Israelites, Deuteronomy chapter 2. Beginning at verse 2, then the Lord said to me, you've been wandering around this hill country long enough. Can I tell somebody this morning that just because you're moving doesn't mean you have momentum? Just because you're keeping a good pace doesn't mean you're necessarily making progress. And then God says, turn to 
the north. See, in your life, you need more than just activity. You need direction. You can be real busy doing a lot of things, but you need, you need direction. Can I preach this to somebody this morning who your calendar is full? You're going to 18 different birthday parties in the next two weeks. You've got all kinds of activity. You've got meetings all over the place. I'm not asking you how full your calendar is. I'm talking about your direction. Your direction. Do you know that God has specific direction for you? In fact, that was one of the key, one of the keys to occupy in your life is a specific direction. The Bible says that the Israelites had been wandering around. They were making, man, they were making good time. They were making, they were moving, they were becoming experts at setting up the tabernacle and tearing it down. They probably, I don't know, maybe they had a little game and just, hey, we set it up faster and we tore it down faster than ever before. We've got, we've set the land speed record from Mount Hebron to Mount Seir. I don't know what, I don't know what it was. The problem was they weren't going anywhere. And that can happen in our lives as we get real busy doing a lot of things, a lot of good things, but we're not making any progress. We need, we need not only God's, we, just, we need his direction. We don't just need his activity. So give these orders to the people. You will pass, pass through. Say pass through. You'll pass through the country belonging to your relatives, the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. The Edomites will feel threatened, so be careful. Don't bother them, for, I'm not, for I have given them all of the hill country around Mount Seir as their property. And I will not give you even one square foot of their land. Do you, do you feel the inner Israelite toddler coming to the surface? What do you mean I can't have their land? God, what do you mean? And then, and then they continue, so we bypass. Say bypassed. So we bypass the territory of our relatives, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. Today you will cross the border of Moab. Okay, we can't have Seir. Maybe we can have Moab. Moab at Ar and enter the land of the Ammonites, the descendants of Lot. And then God says this, but don't bother them or start a war with them because I have given the land of Ammon, Ammon to them as their property and I will not give you any of their land. Do you know that in your life, as important as the land that God does give you is the land that he doesn't give you? We must learn. This is a key to occupy, church, the skill of learning to pass through and not possess. Not every blessing is your blessing. Well, that didn't get a lot of amens, but it's true. Not every blessing is your blessing. But do you know that every time that God says no, it strengthens your yes. We said about, we sang earlier about a good God who always provides, who never fails. But can I remind you that a good God, a good father, all the dads in the house say no. Oh, that, wasn't that, that was so easy. Like you didn't even have to think about that. You were saying it before I even finished. All the dads, you're like, no. Or the, or the dad version of no, which is, we'll see. <laughs> which, of course, means there is no chance in the world. I just don't want to tell you no. I'll just say we'll see. But regardless of how it comes out, but God's no just strengthens our yes. Can I preach to you this morning about the blessing of boundaries the blessing of boundaries. Will you turn to your neighbor and remind them that there is a blessing in the boundary? There is a blessing in the boundary. A couple of months ago, we went kayaking 
uh, in the mountains of North Carolina, and it was, uh, wasn't on the lake, it was down through some, some rapids. And we had a couple of guides. We had a college-age uh, lady from New Zealand who's, you know, they give themselves names, right? Like they don't have just uh, regular names. They give themselves like guide names. And so her name was Brady, which I don't know what means. And then we had this, we had this guy, guide, whose name, whose name was Sprinkles. And if you have a picture in your mind of a guide that might call themselves Sprinkles, I need you just to flip the image in your mind because Sprinkles was like this grizzled 58-year-old mountain man. Like he was a, he was a man and, and, and Brighty and Sprinkles each had, they each had their own way about them. So Brighty uh, had few words and she would just say, you know, she would say, hey, avoid, avoid the log and, and uh, go around the bend. And that was a British accent, not a New Zealand accent, but uh, you get the idea. It was just, you know, it was r- very simple and, and just go, go this way. Um, Sprinkles, sp- <laughs> Sprinkles had a way with words. And when I say that Sprinkles had a way with words, I don't necessarily mean that he used all the words correctly. I just mean that he used a lot of them. Like, y'all, Sprinkle, I don't know that in three hours, Sprinkles stopped talking. I don't know that he did. I wasn't next to him all the time. Uh, David was, spent a lot of time with Sprinkles, so but de- Sprinkles had an opinion on everything, and so Spring- Brighty was like, "Just avoid the log and go." Uh, uh, Sprinkles, Sprinkles was like, "See that log up there? Not the not the log covered in moss. No, not the log that is a newer log. I'm talking about the old log, and it's got oh, it's got a salamander on the log. And I don't know if the salamander was there last week. Speaking of salamanders, let me tell you about the history of salamanders. And after that, there were there's five, you'll see five smooth stones, not the jagged stones." If there's four smooth stones and one jagged stone, that's not the five smooth stones. You got to see the five smooth stones, and you've got to take a slight left there. And and I mean, and this was all. I'm not. I'm like I'm exaggerating a little bit, not too much. I mean, sprinkles was was on it. So you had Brady just go past the log, and sprinkles describing the log. And so they went about it in a little bit different way, but they had the same. They had the same focus. Is that they were just trying to keep us in the flow. They were just trying to keep us. Here's what they were doing. They were pointing out boundaries because they knew that boundaries would keep us in the best. Do you know that when God gives you boundaries in your life, he's trying to bless you? Boundaries in your life are not, see what they were doing, what they were doing was not like laughing to themselves of, yeah, the best way down the river is really through those rocks. No, if you went outside of the boundaries, here's a couple of things that would happen. You get smacked in the head by a branch. You get turned around. You'd get stuck. And, 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 and yet, if you stayed within the boundaries, there was, a, there was a flow. The fun and the flow are in the boundaries. And can I just ask somebody, how many times do you have to test God's boundaries and get outside of his boundaries and be miserable in your life before you realize the blessings in the boundaries? <laughs> The blessing is in the boundaries. God is a good God. He loves you. And when he says no, it's not because he doesn't want you to be blessed. It's because he does want you to be blessed. He wants to give you flow. He wants to give you anointing. He wants, he's got the best path to take. And so that's what God was doing here was giving them boundaries so that they could be blessed. So let me give you some, some thoughts here this morning, how to get the blessing of the boundaries. You could, uh, 
maybe subtitle this if you're taking notes, how to grow during the no. How to get the blessing of the boundaries. How to grow during the no. Number one, avoid the temptation to compare. <laughs> you know for the Israelites, did you catch this in the story, there, that there were the descendants of Esau, and Esau was a relative, right? And the descendants of Lot, and Lot was a relative. And you know it had to, it had to have been a relative. It, it had to, God couldn't just bless anybody this past year. He had to bless your brother-in-law who you don't like so well. <laughs> it had to be, because if it, was, if it was some random stranger that got five promotions within one year, you could praise God, God, thank you for blessing. But when it happened to your uncle, when it, hap when it happened to your relative, when it happened to your sister, and how many of you know that, let's be honest, sometimes it's harder to celebrate the closer the person is to us, the harder it is to celebrate somebody else's blessings because we always, we want to compare, right? We want to compare the Israelites are walking through this territory and God says, no, no to this territory. Maybe somebody's walking beside one of their relatives saying, look at that house. Why don't we have a house? We've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. We've been renting for 40 years. When we got married, you promised me a house. Where's our, where's our house? Look, everybody of, every one of our other family members have this, and they have this. And, and it's this comparing game, right? It's, it's, and we never, we never win in this comparison thing. We never, we never win. So avoid the temptation to compare. Avoid the temptation to criticize. Avoid the temptation to criticize because then what we do is when we compare and we want what they have is then we'll criticize it because it's our defense mechanism like to tell ourselves that we really don't want it. Or what Oscar Wilde says is criticism is the truest form of autobiography. Because we criticize in others what we don't like about ourselves. And so your critical spirit and people's critical spirit around them, that's not about you. That's about them. They've got some issues. And the more critical people are, the more issues they have in their own person that they don't like. And so the Israelites stopped, you know, maybe they would have stopped and said, why'd they build their house that way? That's a, that's a stupid house. That's a, that wall, if I would have been living in that land and we begin to criticize, we begin to criticize. Can I tell you, honestly, one of the ways that this plays out in, in the Christian circles, I think more than any other, because do you notice again, who were they criticizing? They weren't criticizing the Canaanites. They were criticizing the relatives. Can I just tell you where this plays out? Is Christians and churches criticizing other Christians and other churches. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? I, 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 that's, the, that's probably the number one criticism I hear. That Joel Olstein, he's just too positive. That Carl Lentz, his pants are too tight. That Judah Smith, I don't know what he's doing hanging out with Justin Bieber. Elevations, too loud. Listen, every time you criticize another church, it doesn't take away their blessing. It takes away yours. And not just churches around the world, churches in our backyard. I am telling you that there are enough lost people in Cabarrus County to fill up every church five times over. So we need to stop cutting down our relatives. 
The more you bless, the more you keep your eyes focused on what God gives us. And so I want to say publicly from this pulpit that I am thankful for Evangel and thankful for First Baptist and thank you for the refuge and thank you for New Hope and thank you, thankful for Pastor Matt Terbetsky over there at Harvest Church and thank you, thankful for the branch and thankful. And when we begin to say there are enough, if we would stop getting jealous over the same three church hoppers, then maybe we would actually reach a lost person for Jesus. Come on, somebody give God praise because he's got land for us to take and I don't need to be jealous and critical of somebody else's ministry and somebody else's blessing. Can I just throw out maybe a couple of hypothetical questions? Uh, first question would be this, that person that you're praying for, like that that person, when you put on that wide awake, fully alive dog tag and you grab that thing and a tear rolls down your face and you're believing God for their salvation. and God, they are not going to miss heaven. They're not. God, I pray for their salvation. I pray for their soul. That person, what if, what, what if they got saved through the television ministry that you've been trashing? Would it not, can we not say that heaven is worth it? Can we not say, because here's the thing, we don't know what we don't know. You saw 20 minutes on the internet. You don't know that man's prayer life. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know how they're walking people through deliverance. I was talking to the executive pastor of one of the largest churches in our nation. And my hunch would be, my hunch would be, if you went to that church, you may be tempted to say, oh, I don't know if that's a spiritually deep church. And yet on a given weekend, when they have their lead people into the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongue service, they will have 1,500, like over a 1,000 people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so we don't know what we don't know. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And so we've got to learn to bless instead of criticize. Here's another, here's another thought just straight from Scripture this morning, verse 12. In earlier times, it says, the Horites who lived in Seir, but they were driven out and displaced by the descendants of Esau. And so the Israelites didn't have to fight a battle because God blessed another church. What if you're not having to fight a battle this morning because that enemy's already been taken care of by the church down the street and you don't even know it. You're blessed because of somebody else's. Come on, can we thank God for all the churches in our city, for all the churches, for all the pastors, for all the ministries. Y'all, we are in this together. You say, Doug, people need to commit to a local church. Absolutely they do. But that doesn't stop us from saying in the kingdom of God, it is big enough for all kinds of liturgy, all kinds of worship styles, all kinds of ministry methods. And Paul says this, I don't care. Paul didn't even agree with all of people's methods. Paul said even some of their motives were a little messed up. But Paul said, if Jesus Christ is being preached, then I'm for them. And that's the kind of attitude that we need to have as an attitude that won't criticize. And then avoid the temptation to copy. Avoid the temptation to copy. Can I, can I preach this to, to our world changers, to people who are in ministry? And can I, can I, 
uh, say this to our Southeastern students who are studying to be, be in ministry, that in the day of the download and in the day of duplication, you can, you can operate a ministry without even talking to Jesus. Like you can, you can go online and, and get three outreach ideas and you can get, you can get a, a lesson to teach and you can download a sermon and you can download videos and resources and you can download, and, but, that's not, but that's not your land. That's not, that's not your land. That's, the, that's Esau's land, and that's Lot's land. And so you got to thank God for how God is using that pastor. And you got to thank God for how God is using that worship leader. And you got to thank God for how God is using that children's ministry and that youth ministry. But you got you to say, lock in. Say, lock in. You got to lock in. God said north. God said no to this land, but it's because he had land ahead of them. Here's what, here's what you do. So walk through. Here's how. So there's a couple of seasons. There's a couple seasons. The, the bad part, every season, remember what I, I reminded you a couple weeks ago, every, every season has pros and cons. Or last week, we talked about every, every situation has problems, possibilities, power of God. Every, and so they were actually in a season of peace, right? They were, there were no battles to be fought. They had purpose. They had direction. They were moving forward. But during this season of peace, it was the temptation to copy. It was the temptation to criticize. It was the temptation to compare. And so those are the temptations during the, during the season of peace. Here's what you have to do, because some of you are in a season of peace. Praise God for those seasons. Maybe don't rush through those seasons too quickly. You know, thank God that hey, things are peaceful. I'm not fighting a battle right now. Here's what you got to do during a season of peace. You got to bless and yes. Bless and yes. Bless and yes. Bless and yes. What's bless and yes look like? God, thank you for blessing my brother over there. Thank you for giving him that house. That must have not been my house. So I just, I know I put the bid on that house and I know I really wanted and I know I circled that house, but my bid got outbid. So that must not have been my house. God, I bless, I bless my, God, I really wanted that promotion and somebody else that was actually at the company didn't, didn't, uh, uh, less years than I am. They got promotion, but I bless, I bless them in the name of Jesus. I, pr I pray that they would prosper. And you bless and then you turn your eyes onto your yes because there must have been a reason. Hello, there must have been a reason that the good God that goes before you that has land for you, your land is going to be better for you than that blessing. God knows better than us, doesn't he? Bless and yes. And if we will learn to bless other people in their blessing, oh my goodness, how free you will be. You'll be free of comparison. You'll be free of a critical spirit. You'll be free of trying to copy everybody else. I saw a book title this past week. Pastor David sent it to me. It's, uh, the book title was, You're Born an Original, Don't Die a Copy. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.